Welcome to the Reiki Show, hosted by Reiki authors Bronwyn and Franz Steiner, founders of the International House of Reiki. Find out more at www.reiki.net.au. Hi, my name's Bronwyn. And I'm Franz. And today we have with us Alison Zopel from America. She's a talented musician who at the age of 20 was involved in a serious car accident which resulted in brain injuries and coma. She spent the next four years coming out of a coma. During this time, Alison received Reiki and also composed many songs that she says are expressions of her soul. Welcome, Alison. Hi. <laughs> Could you just tell us a little bit about your experience of actually being in coma? There's kind of a, a big misperception, I think, of what a coma really is. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened to me is I was in a, a terrible car accident um, in December of 1999, and what happened for me is my brain slowly swelled up and my level of consciousness slowly dropped down until I was in what they call a level 2 coma. And this is on the Branchos Los Abigos scale of coma, um, according to Western medicine. And um, the first thing that um, I usually tell people and let them know is that there's, according to Western medicine, there's um, uh, 9 to 14 major different levels of consciousness in between unconscious and conscious. And um, what happened for me is I fell down to a level 2 coma and um, as the swelling slowly went down in my brain, I slowly regained consciousness over a period of four to five years. When you're in a level two coma, what sort of abilities do you have? Level two coma is the lowest that you can go before being completely unconscious. Mm-hmm. So I was in a minimal state of consciousness. Um, my breathing was really shallow. Um, and... I was in an open-eyed coma. My pupils were hugely dilated, and I wasn't able to really blink that well um, for probably the first year or two. My abilities were really limited. I could um, respond to yes and yes and no answers, and just kind of with mumbling or so. But that was about it mm. for the first two years. Do you have any memory of that? I do. I do. Um, actually. What was really um, rare about my experience is that while I was in a a level two kind of vegetative state coma, um, I wasn't able to um, speak very much more than yes or no answers, but after six months I was able to write. I was able to lay there and write in journals and describing what it was like to be in a coma from the inside looking out Mm -hmm. um, while I lived and went through each stage and level of consciousness. And so I still have full memory of what it was like to be in that in that space. And when you wrote, could you actually speak at the same time or writing was your way of expressing yourself? Writing was my main way of expressing myself while I was in the coma. Mm. Um, and um, I wasn't able to really speak, express myself like in full sentences for um, the first two years that I was laying there. So many things, so many things I experienced while I was in this place and I, I, I felt a really great desire to want to try and um, express 
this inner world in as many different ways as I could so that I could use it to help other people um, should I come back to life and help them to be able to know what others may be experiencing inside that are voiceless. As you say, you were aware of what was happening, so you Mm -hmm. looked for ways to come out of the coma, and how did you go about this? Shortly after the, the car accident, I had... I had immediately gone into to a doctor, and um, and nothing was showing up on any of the results, and they and and um, they couldn't detect the brain swelling right away, which was really really frustrating. And um, I must have gotten misdiagnosed six or seven times and got sent home. And we were left, like many people with brain injuries, trying to figure it out ourselves, what to do, and left at home in the state. Well, first I'll tell you that I have a background as a Reiki practitioner and coming from a family of Reiki practitioners and my mother being a Reiki master teacher. And um, I had just finished um, massage therapy school prior to this accident happening. I really believe strongly that we hold the power within ourselves to heal ourselves of almost anything. And so when I was asked if I wanted to Um, go to the doctor, go to the hospital, Um, I just immediately always said no, and I really wanted to stay to more alternative and natural ways of healing, and um, the most of it being with Reiki. So from early on, you were doing Reiki on yourself? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I I received um, my first degree in Reiki at the age of 17, Mm -hmm. and my mother was performing, you know, Reiki on us, before that as well. While I was laying there, it's actually kind of a funny story. My, I would lay there and I immediately put my hands on my head and I would hold my hands there and I wouldn't take them down <laughs> just because I knew that that's where the healing needed to go um, to heal. And, and so my mom, after um, about six or eight months, ended up quitting her job and staying home by my side and um, doing Reiki on me. Um, almost night and day and um, she would take my arms down off my head every now and then and she would massage my elbows and I'd put them right back on my head (laughs) thinking and I must have kept my hands on my head there for the first for about two years (laughs) and I wouldn't take them down thinking that maybe if I pushed a little bit harder it would heal a little bit faster (laughs) yeah yeah and did it (laughs) And um, I just I wouldn't I wouldn't give up. Yeah. So what what <laughs> so did you find from doing the Reiki? Um, well, it was amazing. I think because of my background in massage and Reiki, I had a good idea going into this um, recovery of the inner workings of the body. So while I was um, giving Reiki or receiving Reiki while I was laying there, oh my gosh, the things that I experienced inside my body were just amazing like even though I couldn't voice it to anyone um I could feel you know um like my I don't I don't know what was actually happening but I could feel like my my brain moving around in my skull like jello or something you know to the um as as I was receiving treatments and probably for the first two years or so um which were the hardest um my mom actually had to stand two feet away from my body around my head because 
she couldn't come any closer to that because it was too strong, yeah. too much pressure on my head. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too when you're in that kind of space because it's a different space what a lot of people are are in um you experience the healing in a very different way in a very different level. Mhm. Oh, I was I was very sensitive to um to to the energy that was moving around in my body. I literally because I was literally spent those years living inside of myself. I was really aware and in tune of every tiny little movement and feeling <laughs> um, yeah. and yeah I was just working really hard on a, on a cellular level whether you could see it on the outside or not <laughs> so in many ways I guess you could also say that having been through this experience has been a great thing in that it's added a lot more depth to your life it has I, um uh, it's definitely made me stronger. Um, I think I think part of the reason why I fought so hard to come back to life is because I really believe, I've always believed that um, we have the power within ourselves to heal ourselves of, of almost anything. And I wanted to, more than anything, come back to life to be able to um, show people of this, you know, amazing possibility. So. Yeah, how did your mum experience it? So, you know, she's she's obviously worked quite a lot with Reiki and over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess there's the emotional connection with you. But apart from that, you know, working with someone with a brain injury and, and mm -hmm. being in a coma the way that you were, what, what did she say that she felt with what was happening? Um, I think my mom had to have an incredible amount of faith. <laughs> I really do, and I think she really she entrusted in me too. And so um, there came a point when I was um, able to speak, you know, more than a few words at once. And I and I all I kept saying was, "I'll be better tomorrow. I'll be better tomorrow. I'll be better in a week." You know, and she just said, "Okay," <laughs> you know, um, and she just really she um, had to, you know, really had a lot of faith and trusted in me and, and had to believe in what I was saying and and, and continued to send the Reiki and um, um, and her and my dad too they would both um, do like tandem treatments and and have um, other friends um, who who are Reiki masters come over and they would I had a whole team of healers working on me I feel really really blessed <laughs> Honestly, I don't. I don't know that I could have made it this far without everybody that was involved. Were you actually in a hospital during this time, or were you at home? No, I actually I I chose to stay at home yep. through the entire time, mm -hmm. and um, I just really believe in um, living and dying more naturally. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I, I really, I really just. I fought really hard. I had a really strong will and desire to live. I wouldn't refuse to accept anything less than what I wanted. And I think that, along with the Reiki um, and prayer and a whole lot of sleep, <laughs> really, um, you know, enabled me to heal my body back together again. I think as well that journey is a journey full of persistence and patience, really. And nowadays, in a lot of 
people when they are looking for healing, often we forget that we need to have patience and we need to have persistence. Oh, yeah. I think one of the biggest things that I learned going through this is that the importance of commitment to long-term processes and that um, our bodies are like a piece of nature, like anything else in the world, and um, that when it, when it gets injured, um, um, it just it takes time to heal, and sometimes there's nothing we can do to speed up nature's course when it's healing, but the amazing part of it is, is that it can heal, and it will. You were saying before as well that you wanted to show other people how you get out of the coma and how you deal with all this you know, trauma and journey. How do you do that? Are you doing that by actually practicing Reiki on other people or talking about it, writing about it, maybe through your music? How do you express that to other people? Well, I'm working on a book right now um, of all the, the writings that came through me while I was coming out of a coma describing what it was like to live in each level of consciousness um, coming back to life. And... Um, using that with lots of depictive illustrations and things to help the family members and friends of who may have a loved one in that situation so they can better understand where they're at and how they can be of help to them. I've been volunteering on different coma recovery sites, um, websites, and uh, talking with people um, through online on the, on the Internet writing and responding to letters as I can to other families around the world who have family members coming out of comas and brain injuries and helping where I can. All I can do is share my experience, although I know that no two brain injuries are going to be the same, but um, I, I hope that as I share my experience, it can help help people to, to maybe even get the slightest you know, idea of what their loved one might be going through and how they can can help them. Mm. What would you say to people in that situation if they had the chance to do Reiki? What would you say to them? Why would it be a good idea for them to to see that the person in that who, who's in the coma receive Reiki? Mm. I think Reiki is such a, a gentle, you know, laying on of hands, and it's so comforting to the person giving and receiving. And it's so, you know, non-invasive and, and, and very gentle that it's just about what the person in a coma could handle at that time. Because when a person is in that state, they really need a gentle form of healing. And um, it's something that, um, you know, the energy lies all around us and it's just a matter of learning how to, you know, transmute that and, and use it in a way that, to help that person heal their body. Usually people, when they contact me, with a loved one in this state, they're to a point already where they're willing to do anything. There comes a point where medicine can't, can only do so much, and then people start opening up their arms to more natural ways of healing. And I've actually, I've turned on quite a few people that are, are you know, family members that are doing Reiki with, with their loved ones right now and having really, really wonderful results just more of that love connection there, you know. Yeah. And sometimes I tell them, even even if they don't know Reiki, even by simply, you know, laying their hands really lightly, maybe on the person's head or something, just to 
to validate to the person laying there that they understand where their suffering may be, yeah. you know, in a, a nonverbal form of communicating. Yeah, remembering that connection as well, isn't it, you know, that we all have. And in whatever way we mm-hmm. can do that to, to get that connection uh, stronger. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, so really the Reiki could be of great, of as great benefit to the person who is doing it as the, the family member as to the person who's actually receiving it. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. Very, I think it was just as comforting to my mother and my dad and, and everyone around me to have this healing energy going through them and to know that they were able to actively play a part in helping, you know, the healing to um, to flow into me and and healing to me because it was, you know, just warming my body and I could feel the way that it was healing me inside. Very comforting. Yeah. I think a lot of parents who have children who are sick or, you know, um, often feel very useless because they feel they can't support the child in their healing because they trust that the doctor in the hospital is doing all the work. And by really mm. as well applying hands-on healing, I think it, it, it gives some trust to the parents that they can as well be a very active support in that healing process. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think um, I, I think so much of you know a really big part of of my recovery and how I healed as much as I am is is not not only not only that the the healing and the reiki but the the um, the part that the family plays and just their intention of sending healing, loving, kind thoughts, positive, optimistic. Um, I know for me, my family. I think had an understanding that they would only speak positively around me and, and always let me know that I was going to make it. You know, you're, if anyone can do it, you can, you know. And um, for a while I was laying there thinking, geez, do they know I'm laying here suffering at all? You know? <laughs> <laughs> they, they must think I'm a happy, jolly camper over here. <laughs> they were just so, you know, happy and positive all the time. And, and it wasn't until later on I came out and I talked to them about this and they said, no, no, they... My mom said, are you kidding me? I would leave the room and, and cry in my bedroom and say, gosh, what if she doesn't make it? You know, like, yeah. But, but they, they would never say that in front of me. And I think because that's all I heard over and over again, I started to believe it and it left me with nothing else to believe yeah. than that I was, you know, it gave me no other choice than that I was going to be well again. And they would say, you're not going to be 100, you're going to be 140%. Yeah. That's and, wonderful. Um, yeah, and I think it just, someone told me once before that if we speak of ourselves as, as more than we already are, it leaves us room to grow. <laughs> yeah. I really like that a lot because some people would ask me still to this day, where are you in your recovery? And I say, well, I still have, I'm maybe about 98%. I still have some swelling going down in the in the right side of my brain and I can't go up an elevation and um, I, I have to wear an altimeter on my wrist everywhere I go, and and I was, you know, telling this to some people I was talking to, and 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 this really wise old man came up and he said, you know, he said everything you said was right on. He said, but um, but one thing was a little bit off, and that was the percentage. He said you're more like a hundred. He said you're more than a hundred. You're 
you're 140%. And then that's when he told me, you know, if you, if you speak of yourself as more than you are, you leave room for yourself to grow. Mm. <laughs> it is, I mean, giving yourself a positive affirmation instead of just, you know, often we're very negative about ourselves. Even people who are, you know, so so-called healthy, they look in the mirror, mm-hmm. oh, I look terrible this morning. Uh, we, we, we use a lot of negative uh, affirmations and to use the positive affirmations to boost our immune system and our health, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Oh, I, I, I believe it. I'm, I feel like I'm a, a walking example of, of this, all these possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> There's something else, Alison. And that is you've used this whole experience, not only just to write a book, but to work with your musical ability. And Uh perhaps you could tell us a little bit about the development that you went through with your music during this time and what evolved out of that. The first two years that I was in a coma, I was was able to write and describe what it was like um, to be in a coma coming out. And then in the third and the fourth years, um, I actually began to compose music, and all of this healing music literally started flowing through me, um, literally without my head getting in the way. And it was, um, and um, I would at this point in in year three and four, I was able to kind of more half conscious, and I would kind of sleepwalk over to the piano, and all this music started coming through me. My partner at the time, he who was helping me to my recovery, he heard this music coming through me, and he said, "My gosh, this is beautiful. I've got to, I've got to um, record this so she doesn't forget it when she wakes up." And so he went and got a, a digital recorder and put it by the piano. And then when I would walk over there and play, he would record as I was waking up. And um, and then what he would do is as I was regaining consciousness, he would play it back to me in the living room, and I'd hear it, and I'd say, oh, that's nice, who's this? Hmm. And he'd say, that's you. <laughs> and I'd say, oh, and I'd walk back over to the piano and and reteach myself as I was regaining consciousness, and then after four years, when I was well enough, I went into a studio and recorded all this healing music that came through me while I was waking up, and that is all um, recorded and produced on my first album. It's called Music From Within. Fantastic. And you do as well uh, performances. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've done, um, since then, um, I began um, performing this healing music all over. I've, I've played at some healing centers in, in Asheville, North Carolina, and out in Portland, Oregon, and some in the Midwest, and Wisconsin, and Chicago, and... And and now I'm in New York. It's been such a long journey. I feel like there's just so much. <laughs> there's so much to share. I'm trying to cut it down really little. <laughs> who listens to the music? Do you play it for people who have brain injuries? Uh-huh. Actually, um, I recently was able to get my music in a program or the Care Network Connection. It's a new television station that they're putting in hospitals that play all um, guided meditations and um, different forms of alternative healing and healing music and music videos for people while they're in the hospital beds. Soon after my my first album came out, it was put into the Care Network channels, which is now being played, um, broadcasted in all the hospitals around the U.S. 
That's wonderful. Yeah, which is just it's right where it needed needs to be and <laughs> needed to go right away. So I was very happy about that. <laughs> and what sort of responses are you getting from people who listen to this music? Oh my gosh! You know, I, I hear many different responses to the music, and I'm always fascinated to hear what people say. And most often than not, people write to me and say, "Where is this music from?" <laughs> I, uh, many people say that they've had an effect where um, it takes them into another place, a state of meditation and healing where they're able to go inward and literally heal what needs to be expressed and come out of their system from their root, from the core root of their body and somehow gets transmuted and released as they're listening to to these sounds and I'm just amazed, and I keep saying I'm, I was just, I'm just a conduit. You know, I'm just the, the straw that the music came through, and I, I literally don't even have full memory of writing it. So, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but I'm, I'm glad, and I, I want to um, um, spread, you know, this just healing music as, as much as I can, and, and use my experience to help other people. Yeah. Around the world, so. So, what are your future plans, Alison? Yeah. Well, right now, I'm, I've spent this last year working on my next album, um, which is almost done and um, ready to release in January of 2007. I'm also starting to work on, on my book, which I hope to, to have out in the next year as well. And just to finish off, I'd like to know if you've got anything that you could tell Reiki practitioners out there who might either themselves get brain injuries or be involved with others who do have brain injuries, if there's any hints that you could give them or ideas as to what they could do or how they could go about working with Reiki? Mm, wow. I would say, um, especially with somebody with a brain injury, I think it's really important that you be very uh, sensitive and aware of the pressure around the person's head. Um, um, just because there can be a lot of swelling and things like that. And um, I would recommend um, really being aware of the person's response who's laying there. If it seems like, you know, if you need to stand further away from them in that, you know, um, situation. Or maybe even long-distance healing would be better in some instances mm -hmm. if it's too much on the person's head. I wish people knew how powerful our thoughts and our our words and our prayers are and and that we really do have have the power within ourselves to to help ourselves and help other people to heal themselves and I think it's just a miracle. Thank you Alison for this very candid interview, really beautiful. Thank you.